Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Friday, October 20th, 2023. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights and Automation, and this is a show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. And I'm just going to check over here, make sure our volume, volume levels are good, make sure the camera looks great, and uh, check over the chat. I can see the chat as well. So if you're watching live, I know a lot of you watch after the fact, but if you're watching live, feel free to uh, throw something in the chat. And with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's show. I want to stop by just uh, reminding you that if you do enjoy these updated, uh, these morning news shows, please consider giving us a like, a sub, and a share. It really helps us grow the audience and find new vendors to come on our shows. And with that, I did want to thank our sponsor, TheAutomationSchool.com. If you know anybody looking for PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, visit us over at TheAutomationSchool.com. Uh, with that, we go to our first real uh, article here. It's a press release from Siemens. I thought this was interesting. Festo joins the Siemens Industrial Edge ecosystem. And um, what is Festo uh, selling in their uh, Industrial Edge store? Well, they're selling something called Festo AX. And this is a data access connectivity solution. Basically, it allows you to, if you buy this app from the Siemens Edge store, then uh, you can um, read in data from Festo devices and then uh, provide that data to any type of applications you may have running on that Edge device. So think data collection from Festo devices. So very interesting. And uh, I wanted to share that with you this morning. From there, we go over to a news article or press release from ABB. Now, for some reason, I thought we already covered this, but I looked and looked and I could not find where we had covered this before. I know we had a similar article from Cuckoo recently. Kuka, Kuka recently, not Cuckoo. Um, in any case, uh, this is ABB Robotics and Porsche Consulting, not the car company, collaborate to automate the construction industry. And basically in this press release, they talk about how, um, you know, they talk about the need for housing and how um, there's a lack of skilled construction workers and how the time to build a traditional home is, is it takes a long time versus modular homes or con homes constructed in a factory. And so they're working with Porsche Consulting to uh, automate the construction of these modular dwellings. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't know if the plant will look, this is a conceptual drawing and it doesn't look very practical to me. So, um, but in any case, hey, you gotta do something, right? It's just, uh, it's a concept right now. From there we go over to Honeywell and uh, they had an announcement that they introduced a new line of Experian Solution Suites. These are said to be ready-made or ready-now automation packages for Honeywell UOPs. So if you're using Honeywell, if you're using Experian, you may want to check this out. Um, I, I have no idea what a UOP is. So a unit of performance, I don't know. So in any case, um, but and I wanted to cover it because I know there's a lot of Honeywell users out there. From there, we go over to Advantech. They had a press release about their new series of ARC robotic arm controllers. Now, um, I know uh, Advantech as the guys who make these uh, beautiful industrial PCs, touchscreens, but um, apparently they also make these uh, PCs designed to control, for, for robotic companies to use to control their robots. And um, they come both in Windows versions and in Linux versions. So that was very interesting. They have a whole line of ARC controllers here. They're CodeSys uh, um, and Intel and Windows certified and Linux certified. They show an EtherCAD, OPC UA, CAN Open, Modbus, 
um, and other things on the picture as well. And from there, we go to an announcement from the ODVA. And uh, this talks about their recent conference, apparently it just ended, and uh, in which they talked about single-peer Ethernet, 5G, security, process automation, TSN, time-sensitive networking. We've talked about that many times on the show. And uh, it was an interesting kind of rundown of who, who gave uh, presentations. You can see the list here. Very interesting stuff. What I thought was more interesting, though, is the link takes you to their library of proceedings, which uh, appears to be all of the um, speeches that were given or presentations. Now, I didn't stop downloading these and reading these because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have the time, but it looks like some really interesting stuff. For instance, extracting data from Modbus using CIP, uh, reference architectures for industrial automation, um, SIP safety for drives. So just a lot of presentations, kind of reminded me of what you would have seen like from a big uh, trade show like Automation Fair in the past where they would make all the publications, all the presentations free. I hope they do that this year. So I'll have to, I'll have to find out when I'm out there uh, next month. But in any case, a lot of great technical stuff here, plenty of reading here. And uh, if you're interested in, in all these kind of technical specifics, you may want to check that out. From there, we go over to our uh, featured product for today. This is the Ultimate Slick 500 course. Uh, from the automationschool.com. This is a pre-order. So it's $39.99. The final cost will be $99.99. This is something the Automation School always does. They release their courses early at a lower price, and then over time, as more and more content is added, it reaches the, the full price as the course reaches the full list of lessons that were planned. Um, a couple things in this course. Pretty much we have all the, uh, all the controllers, all of the uh, different uh, parts and pieces, the standard I.O., you know, ACDC analog, um, we did have somebody who pre-ordered this saying, hey, could you throw in high-speed counters? So I did pick up a HSCE and an HSCE2. I have not tested them yet. Got my fingers crossed. They're pretty robust, so I'm, I believe they'll be working. We also have a new conveyor, which I have not debuted yet, but we'll be setting that all up with a push-button station. We've got a, that nice new uh, tablet PC from Siemens we'll be mounting on the conveyor as well. You know, with a, we'll have a dock there where we can pull it in and off. But uh, in any case, uh, so we'll be using that to provide us with the encoder. We get some great encoders from uh, the folks over at IFM with the nice digital display we covered years ago. So looking forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, if you do pre-order it, what I've included is every single episode of my show I've done, I think it looks like there's 20 here. Uh, they're completely ad-free. So they're, they're in the course as bonus videos. So if you wanted to go through and look at some now, you can even ask technical questions on those bonus videos now. So if you had a question on, like, let's say, Data Highway Plus with a Slick 500, you can actually go up there and get support now before the course is even released. You can just ask the questions on the bonus lessons. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to teaching this. Now, one thing I won't be teaching is ControlNet with the Slick 500. I don't think I can be talked into that. When it first came out and I learned what they did, I, just, I decided to tell everybody I knew not to use it. That was my professional opinion. It's very, it's not like the PLC5. It is very piecemeal because, you know, the Slick 500 is not a PLC5, right? So it's very piecemeal. It's nothing like the control logic. So in any case, I am looking for a control net version of a compact logics because that was a very good implementation, just like on the control logics. But in any case, that's our featured product for today. Uh, from there, we go over to what I, I thought was a very enjoyable article about the 10 tips to achieve success in your digital transformation journey from Siemens. And they don't really get into specific industries in this article, but I still thought the tips were really good. And I'm just gonna paraphrase for, uh, them for you 
in case you're listening to the show and you're not watching. And the first one is uh, set clear objectives and define metrics, okay? So how do you know if you have success if you're not measuring something, right? They also say foster a culture of innovation, right? So that's I think that's very important. Invest in the right technologies, very important. Embrace agile methodologies, right? So you're gonna be able to, you know, you're gonna be able to adjust on the fly, right? Uh, empower employees through training, right? Uh, so many facilities don't do, uh, don't spend any money on training. They don't budget for training and that's a must. Um, secure your digital assets. You definitely, cybersecurity is such a big topic we talk about all the time. Uh, and they also talk about, don't forget the customer in this whole process either because they're the ones buying your products, right? Um, collaborate with partners. Of course, uh, system integrators, a lot of you use system integrators and OEMs if you're an end user and they are invaluable. And you know, I, some end users, they'll never, they're like, just give us the system and we don't want to talk to you again. I never understood that because system integrators and OEMs, they are a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge. I've learned so much from system integrators and OEMs um, and plant personnel too. Uh, number nine, monitor progress and uh, monitor progress and adapt continuously. So that was kind of like being agile we talked about a little earlier. And uh, last but not least, communicate transparently. Yes, I always, when people start to try to be like they're a secret service and they're not telling you st certain things, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, you know, it's it's like you don't own the plant. You know, it's a company. You work for the company. You've got to do what's in their best interest. But in any case, from there we go over to an article from PTC, which is similar. This talks about how to improve manufacturing productivity. They take a totally different track on it, but they still, some of the recommendations are similar. So I won't go into how they, 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 they really do a good job of defining, you know, uh, productivity and what you're making as far as value of goods and how that's not profit. Like there's so many other costs that go into manufacturing. You got marketing, you got accounting, you got all these things that have nothing to do with the cost to actually manufacture the product on the plant floor, right? But then they go into the six ways to improve productivity. And I'll, I'll just go through these quickly. Upskill employees, invest in maintenance, review the workflow, target waste, that's a good one, right? Improve communication and monitor utilization. So you can see definitely some crossover between those two articles. And uh, I thought that you were both good food for the mind this morning. So from there, let's go over to an article, which I thought was great from Siemens. This is called an algorithm by any other name, right? So basically this article talks about what algorithms are, great, great refresher on the subject. And then they talk about AI. Now, during part of the AI section, they, they started using some buzzwords and I'm like, oh, they're getting off track. But no, they, they, they totally stayed on track in this article. And um, really, you know, in, the, in summary, at the end of the article, I love how they end the article because this is the message that I like to tell everybody. It says, for the foreseeable future, AI will remain what it is today, a powerful algorithm and a useful tool. So when people, I, you know, I think I told you guys on my vacation when we went over to Ireland, my first time overseas, um, there was some gentleman at the dinner table one night and he was trying to tell me, these things are self-learning, they're self-conscious, they're like Skynet. Like, no, 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 they're not. Not yet anyways, not that we know of. Or, or are they? <laughs> but in any case, just joking around, just joking around. AI is just, it's just the next step. It's really a marketing term, right? These, this, this machine learning is probably a better term but these, I love the way they end this article. It's, a, they're powerful algorithms. That's what they are today anyways. So um, 
If you disagree with me, though, use that talkback link and let me know, because uh, that's my opinion. And talking about opinions, I really enjoy this article from Opto22. This is about RS-232 and level converters. And, um, you know, if you ever have to use RS-232, RS-232, this article, I just thought it was excellent. It kind of goes through the history of RS-232 and kind of how it started. And then it gets into the TTL and CMOS stuff, which I really haven't talked about much since my college days uh, back in the Stone Age. But um, in any case... Uh, they really, I thought they did a great job. I really thought Opto nailed this. I'll tag this one with the EDU tag because I thought it was very educational. And um, then they, at the end of it, they talk about their American-made line of programmable controllers. And they actually have a four uh, serial line, serial input module or serial port module. There's no ports, it's all um, terminal blocks, but it's like having four serial ports. Uh, four serial channels, I guess. And they're isolated, too. So that's big, because if it goes outside the panel, NEC says it has to be isolated, right? So any network that goes outside your panel has to be a, a, has to have an opto-isolation, right? That's why we had the old, um, speaking of Slick 500s and Micrologics, that's why we had the uh, AICs and Net AICs. But in any case, I just I wanted to pass this on. I really enjoyed it. I think they did a great job. From there, we go over to another blog. This is a shorter blog from Opto22. And it talks about uh, a company called Snowflake. And I know, right, in recent years, that's gotten a bad connotation to it. But if, let's just think back to the original connotation of Snowflake, you know. And, um, and we got a lot of snow up here in the Berkshires. So um, this talks about what they've done and what Snowflake showed as far as uh, connecting data to the cloud at the recent Ignition uh, uh, ICC event that they was recently had, which, of course, Opto22 was there as well. And so I thought it was very interesting and a nice little uh, product spotlight for Snowflake and the engineer who was doing the uh, demonstration. So if you're interested in that, check that out. From there, we go with the Red Lion. They had a, um, an, an article about IT cybersecurity lessons for, the industrial, for industrial applications. I, I thought it was good. They, they kind of go through the basics. You know, it's important. Every time there's a breach, some studies say it can be as much as cost the company as much as four and a half million dollars for a single breach in this, in a, you know, a, a cyber attack. And then they go in and talk about 62443. Of course, we've had ISA on to talk about that before on the show. And um, they walk through uh, a lot of the challenges people have and uh, some of the risks, like don't rely on VLANs to be your, your security solution. I was recently consulting with one of my students about that. That's not, that's not the same as a firewall, right? And then, um, then they end with their, their uh, RA10C product, which is a, a switch slash firewall. And uh, we talked about this, I think it was earlier this week, they had an app, or maybe it was last week, we had an application uh, note on uh, where they used this in an uh, actual uh, customer site. And uh, at that point, that, I think that one was also doing some uh, network segmentations too, so all the traffic wasn't going across the wireless. But in any case, um, I thought it was a very good article. In um, it's actually a PDF. It's uh, but in any case, I still thought it was pretty good. I'm actually I think I got a podcast recording with them, another one this afternoon. So I'm looking forward to that. Excuse me. And then we get over to ProSoft. They have a, an article entitled "Need to Keep Your Slick 500 in Place." We still got some modules that can help you. So um, hence we're talking about Slick 500 a lot today. And one thing I liked about this article, this gentleman who wrote it. Uh, I think it's Eric. He got into the industry uh, a few years after me, and uh, like like I did, he learned on the old Slick 100, 150. 
So, um, and that's why I have one up there because, oh, you can't see it. So way up there above my Coffee and Jesus sign, you'll see a Slick 100. And the reason I have it up there is because it was the first PLC I learned on. And, um, you know, in college we programmed microprocessors and, and all that. But um, I was new to a lot of logic when I got that. I was using that little handheld. And um, in any case, just some from fond memories. And he talks about the first time he got to use APS, um, which is, you know, what I graduated to after, after uh, you know, 6200 APS AI. That's what we had. We sold AI, ICOM, as well as, uh, you know, Alan Bradley, of course. And uh, I, I thought it was a nice walk down memory lane. But also um, for me, because we had similar experiences, but in any case, um, one of the important things in here is that Rockwell, he points out that Rockwell has announced the discontinuous, discontinuation date for the remaining Slick 500 controllers is March 31st of 2024. So just coming up, like in six months, right? So in any case, that's important. And so then he goes into what they have available from, uh, uh, from ProSoft, as well as um, talks a little bit about their ANX4, which we do have one. They sent us one in. Um, we have it way up there, right there, but um, just finding the time to play with it is, is difficult when it's not sponsored. But in any case, um, I thought it was a good article. I wanted to share it with you. Love to hear you guys if you have any thoughts of uh, learning on PLCs, what your first PLC you learned on was. Uh, for there, we go over to Aviva, and this is an article about Aviva Connect, and it talks about how this, this uh, service gives you a, a secure connection to your Aviva, like your data hub, Aviva data hub, and allows you to do all kinds of type of dashboards and reporting, as you can see here in these pictures. And uh, these are, if you're listening, these are like your standard trends and, and scattered charts and line charts and, and, and uh, bar graphs and whatnot and tables. Um, but in any case, you know, if you're using Aviva, this is definitely something you want to look at, especially if somebody out of your site Needs, needs to create reports on your site's data. Now, if, if the person who's creating the reports is on your site already, probably don't need this cloud software, but or, or the Aviva Connect. But if, if you have like maybe somebody in corporate doing all the reports for you in your local plant, then this could be an option you want to look into. From there, we go over to Wago. And uh, we've tried to get them on the show. It's just crickets. So, but in any case, um, they must be just really busy. Uh, here we have an announcement on their products page about their new basic controller 100. And um, I was hoping the link would actually go to um, a press release or more information about it. It just goes to a product listing on their uh, product page. So in any case, I do want to congratulate Wago on releasing the basic controller 100. And uh, again, just open invitation to them if they want to come on the show and tell us about their product lines. From there, we go over to an article at uh, the ISA's website, automation.com. And this is an introduction to condition-based monitoring. I thought they did a really good job. This is actually by Jesse Hill from Beckoff. And I thought Jesse did a great job on this article. It really is a good uh, introduction to condition-based monitoring and condition-based maintenance, you know, because a lot of this ties into maintenance and, you know, having to, um, you know, avoid breakdowns, right? I will tag this with the EDU uh, tag when I put it up at uh, automate.news because it's just very informative for uh, an introduction to the topic. From there, um, this was a great uh, little case study from Red Lion, but I've run into this problem over and over again. Uh, they changed the link overnight, so it's not working this morning. So we'll just move on to our next story. This is a uh, video tutorial. Um, and just, just if you're not a web designer or web programmer, every time I change the link at the automation blog, like maybe I don't like the name of the, the article and I'm like, oh, I can show on that. 
there's something that you can do in the software to forward that link so it's not broken. And I know a lot of even big companies like Rockwell sometimes don't do that. And that's a little frustrating because it's so easy to do to forward the old link to the new one. So, um, but in any case, there's your little lesson on uh, HTML servers. Um, from there, we go over to a, a video tutorial from Software Toolbox about real-time collection from GE controllers. And that kind of started a whole process. I'm like, how come I can't find out what's new and exciting with GE controllers? Now, I think back in 2019, Emerson bought their line. And so I went over to the Emerson website. I found what used to be the GE controllers and the new Emerson controllers, uh, programmable controllers. And so I sent out a message. like, how do I find out what you guys are doing new in this space? Because as you guys have seen, if you've been watching the show for a while, everything that's on there, the main page, the only page that I can find new information on has to do with their process stuff, right? Like new field view, you know, valve controllers and things like that. So hopefully we'll hear back from them because, you know, they used to be a huge player. And of course, Emerson is still a huge player. But um, in any case, uh, this video will teach you how to use the um, top server for GE Ethernet uh, devices. And uh, apparently this also communicates to the Horner OCS system, which I didn't know. We covered, try to cover Horner here on the show. And uh, in any case, uh, yeah, so there's a video there for that. We have another video too. This is the podcast I released Wednesday night. It's about the armor kinetics from Rockwell. And I just really enjoyed it. If you do any motion control, you'll probably enjoy this uh, episode as well. Um, this new line, really, the, by putting your servo drives and your uh, on the servo motor and putting them, you like that motor? putting them on the machine, right? You can treat them kind of like uh, like the distributed I.O., right? So you have this device in the cabinet that can talk to several of these. And then, you know, as you need to add them, you can add them. You don't have to expand your your cabinet or actually work inside of a, you know, work inside of a, a cabinet that's already full of stuff. And we know how difficult that is to, you know, and, and the complications that causes. So I thought it was a very interesting article. We do have, hey, Frank, we haven't seen Frank in a while. Haven't seen him in the chat in a while. And uh, yeah, Ethernet has changed everything. Um, yeah, so even video, video over Ethernet on, I mean, yeah, just so much, so much new with uh, with Ethernet. It's made our lives better because we don't have to buy all those expensive cards anymore for our computers to talk on these networks because um, PCs come with Ethernet built in, right? So uh, we got some new software releases out. Um, Cyplus uh, version 172. We also have Simocrane from Siemens version 5.0. And then we have a couple of new manuals out, TI Portal Test Suite function manual. And um, this manual from Rockwell, the Control Logics 5580 redundant controller manual. This is the go-to manual you'll need if you're gonna do 5580 redundancy, okay? so. I used to get a lot of calls on this back in my previous uh, life and um, my previous job. And um, I would always tell people, every question you have about redundancy, I guarantee you they're in the, the answers in this book. And uh, I never found one that wasn't. Um, you know, if, if you're asking about, you know, what parts do I need to put it together? It's in the book. What's the limitations of the distances? What are the, what are the you know, version limitations and all that? Rockwood does a great job of putting all the information for this very complicated topic in this one book. And so, um, pair, you know, of course, there's going to be a different book for the 5570, 5560s and whatnot. But in any case, good to see that that's been updated to the latest rev. Um, I think version 36 is due out from talking to Rockwell folks after 
uh, Automation Fair. Also talking to the optics folks. They're getting ready for Automation Fair, but we hope to have them on the show after Automation Fair. So um, looking forward to learning about optics and ASIM computers too. So in any case, from there, I want to thank our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody looking for PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please tell them about theautomationschool.com. And if you have any thoughts, opinions, or suggestions, you can use the talkback link to send them in. You can also use the news tip link to send any news tips in. And I uh, do want to thank everybody who signed up. It looks like we've got uh, several new uh, followers over at uh, automation.locals.com this week. Thank you all. Again, this is our community, but this is also the best place. If you want to ask me a question about anything I cover, this is the best place to ask it, especially if it's very technical, okay? So um, I wanted to throw that out there and thank everybody who's following us over there. Also, want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of my ebooks, my video collections, my coffee cups, the t-shirts. Every every penny of profit goes right back into the site and show. And with that, just a reminder: every single link. Now, this is episode one thirty. Every single link from episodes one through one twenty-nine, you will find at automate.news. No www, no com. Automate.news. The other thing I want to say is, I think it's over here. You will see. Um, in the edited edition, not, not in the live edition, because I can't pull that up, but in the uh, edited edition of the show, you will see my LinkedIn link. And uh, I invite everybody to connect with me. I love seeing what you guys are posting. A lot of folks are out there posting pictures of their electrical enclosures and their production lines and, you know, uh, when they're able to. And, uh, you know, different PLCs and HMIs and VFDs they're seeing in the field. And so I love seeing that stuff. So please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. If you're listening, it's Mr. Sean Tierney. Mr. is M-R. Mr. Sean Tierney. That's my name on LinkedIn. And uh, I connect with everybody. If you have a very technical, detailed question, don't send it to me on LinkedIn. Put it over at automation.locals.com. It's so much better place to answer that for that back and forth than LinkedIn. And with that, I'm already full screen. So I want to wish you all a very courageous, fearless, and awesome day. And until next time, my friends, peace.